Welcome, welcome, one and all, to episode 52 of Project Geekology. Today, we are going to be talking all about Sam Raimi's 2002 classic Spider-Man in all its glory. My name is Dakota, and I'm joined as always with... Anthony. And what's cool about 52 is that there are 52 years... Wait. (laughs) (laughs) There are 52 years in life. (laughs) And what's cool about the number 52 is that there are 52 weeks in a year. And, you know, if this podcast did its job well, this would have been the celebration of a one-year anniversary for the podcast. But this is like our second and a half year or whatever. Yay, it's our our one year, two years later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, 52 episodes. That's pretty cool. That's nuts. Are you wearing a shirt that says Ring Bearer? I am. I got Yo, it. I actually... got it at the the convention. It's a Hobbit shirt. Okay, I it's love that. A... The the term ring bearer is just there awesome. and back again. Never heard that before. Middle Earth tour twenty nine forty one. Oh, I actually really like that. It's a timeline joke because you know in the third age 2941, That's um when Bilbo and the boys went to go snatch up that ring from Gollum. Bilbo um, and the boys. Speaking of which, today is March second as we're recording this. And I just found out that in the Lord of the Rings lore, March 2nd is the day that Frodo, Sam, and Gollum basically get through the Dead Marshes. So this is a very special day in in Tolkien history, but we're not going to be talking about Tolkien. So We made it through um, the Dead Marshes. We have made it through the Dead Marshes. We did not follow the lights. (laughs) (laughs) Heading straight for that Black Gate. Okay, so it's been a bit since we recorded last... But uh, I wanted to ask, what have you been up to recently? I know you've had some big stuff going on on your end. What have you been doing? So this past weekend, as of recording, I was in a or I was at a convention. It was called Pentacon, and I had a really good time. I was out there with a good friend, uh, Miguel. He's a friend of a show. And shout out to Miguel. Yes. Woo-hoo. Shout out to Miguel, and I was and his wife joined us. And it was pretty cool. It was fun. We'll talk a bit more about that at the beginning or the first part of this podcast episode. And so that was a great time. I've... Oh, oh. So I've been playing Hogwarts Legacy. I know you have to have been playing it. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been playing it. Uh, Probably about 40, 45 hours in right now. What were you sorted into? What, well, what house? As far as like, as far as Pottermore goes, both me and my wife have always been Gryffindor. Like, no matter how many times we've taken the test, we've always gotten Gryffindor. So instead of you, you can choose to like sync your account up with your Pottermore account. I thought we that was really that, cool. So we just co- yeah, that that is an option. We decided to just answer the the questions that they asked us in the beginning of the game, and you kind of know what which one is going to be which house so uh we chose gryffindor i don't know if you've seen the memes but like gryffindor house isn't it you know uh (laughs) the slytherins and the ravenclaws and the hufflepuffs are are partying and we're just listening to like 80s 80s songs (laughs) so i did go with my pottermore account which is really cool because it does put you into the house that you were sorted into but it also allows you to keep that wand or right, to use wand that wand and... so i yeah. kept it as is like i did that i made like some very minor changes to my wand but i was sorted into ravenclaw ravenclaw i didn't know you were ravenclaw i am that explains so much okay all right, all right. <laughs> interesting and how has your experience been as a ravenclaw it's been fun man 
it's it's been it's been cool it's different being in a another common room because you know through the throughout the movies all you saw was Gryffindor so I'm chilling in the Ravenclaw common room it's pretty fun it's pretty cool to go on a, a bit of a tangent about like the movies and even the books a little bit like I wish there was some diversity in like what houses we got to see good characters from you know we we got right. a couple from Ravenclaw we got a couple from Hufflepuff you know uh, you have Cho Chang from Ravenclaw. You have Luna Lovegood from Huff. Oh no, she's also Ravenclaw. Uh, Cedric. Cedric is uh, Hufflepuff. Anyway, you know what I mean. But we never saw any good characters from Slytherin, and I think that that's a mistake in the books. I, I one thing that I really love about um, Avatar: The Last Airbender is that you can have Slytherin-like characters or, or villainous characters that have redemption arcs or that can be seen in a good light, you know? And we never really got to see that in the Harry Potter series. But um, I'm really liking that this game is uh, open to changing that a bit. You have characters that are much more, you know, they fit their house, but they're not necessarily bad people. You know, right? I, yeah, I thought it was really cool that one guy that you duel with he's a slytherin and so and instantly when we met him i was like oh man is he gonna be like that one douchey character but he ended up being like a really cool character and i thought that was really cool that they did show that there is a diversity in personalities um within the houses and stuff because you know because you you have yeah and, and you have the the some you know ravenclaws that are up to no good you know like they or not not that they're bad but you know they get into trouble and stuff like like the buddy that i when you first learned to fly on a on a broom um he kind of he's one of your ravenclaw buddies and he kind of takes you (laughs) he takes you on like the scenic route and he's like hey you know like it helps you become a better flyer but you get in trouble for it (laughs) how far are you into the game i am about 30 hours in okay have you gotten to like the fall setting yet i think that we're just i think we just got there where where like the leaves turn into you know like fall and autumn yeah. leaves it's the the game is beautiful first and foremost i just want to say that like it's such a refreshing open world game that like doesn't require you to like walk for hours to get wherever you need to go but you can if you want to and that's pretty cool but i also want to just throw out there that this is probably the most fun in a game that i've had since elder scrolls oblivion which was you know what 15 years ago 16 like you gotta try I, you gotta try Witcher i haven't 3. i have i've oh, okay. played it plenty and i just have i can't get into it for whatever reason i i've put a bunch of hours into that game i can't get into it the same as this is the first time i felt that like i got to explore every nook and cranny of this world since elder scrolls oblivion and i, I haven't had that much fun since uh, up until this game well i remember having a really good time in the harry potter licensed games or the licensed harry potter games and so this was pretty much the hogwarts game that we wanted you know growing up Mm -hmm. it's open world you get to make your own character you're not following a storyline that's already been you know told you're not you're not stuck within the storyline of the harry potter books it's a new world uh, I also was reading that there's a TV show tie-in in the works it, with HBO, so that that should be interesting. 
I, I heard about that. I didn't look at it, look into it to see if it was actually happening, but I that would be really interesting the way they handle that. But maybe we could talk about Hogwarts Legacy a little bit more at a later date. Oh, absolutely. Because there's just so much to talk about with that. Right. And right. I think it's 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 so impressive, and like the fact that it's like the most played single player game or like most bought single player game in so many years is is insane. I've also been watching. A good a good bit of One Piece. I'm also caught up on My Hero Academia. Like this, the current season's absolutely insane. Yeah. Are you caught up on the manga? I know you read the manga. No, I didn't. I'm only I'm looking at my mangas now. I'm only about ten volumes in, which is still very early on. I think it's like the beginning of the second season, if that. Mm, okay. Yeah, this current season, season six, is insane. It's absolutely amazing. This is like the season of all seasons. Like it's just a lot of these seasons. They they either start strong or end strong, but this one has just been completely strong from start to up until where it's at now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty excited with that. But yeah, it's been a lot of Hogwarts Legacy, uh, anime, um, obviously, you know, always throwing some Overwatch in there. And and yeah, man, like it's it's been good. How about you? Like you, you've been doing a lot of, you've been making a lot of videos. You've been knocking those those out. Have you had any any uh, trips or anything that you've, that you've gone on? I went down to Florida recently. You, you were there. Right, right. <laughs> yes, I visited you. But that was it in terms of trips you know it was a brief trip my my great grandfather died so we had to attend the funeral for that but regardless we had a good time with family so that was nice right i uh, got to catch up with you for a bit yeah that but was good. other than that yeah so i i have been putting out a bunch of videos i had like a whole like trilogy of like avatar videos that i released one was for like the complete avatar timeline specifically like the blue people not the uh, airbenders <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make the caveat yeah so i did a whole timeline on like the history of that world then i did like five things you missed that you'll only catch if you see the movie again because i saw it a bunch of times and then i did another timeline but specifically like what happens between the first and second film because there's like a, a lot that happens like even in the, like the comics so i just kind of narrowed down and expanded that area of time which has been it, it was good and uh the, the videos are doing well so that's been nice a lot of new viewers on the channel and right now i'm going back to like mcu content and i'm working on a wakanda forever timeline breakdown because i'm pretty sure i i know where it takes place and by the time this podcast goes out that video should also be out so you can go after after this check that video out awesome yeah the your youtube will be in the show notes so y'all need to go check that out check it check it out what else oh also i've been i broke my rule about not playing gotcha games i ended up downloading another gotcha game this one's called avatar generations and it's not the blue people it's the airbenders this time and oh uh, how's that basically it's uh, it's rough it's a rough start for for a gotcha game i'm gonna be honest like <laughs> I like being sucked into gotchas. I like the aspects of them where you can keep collecting new characters, you can keep upgrading them and just grow your, you know, your roster of people to fight and train with. But this game is like so blatantly a ripoff when it comes to like what like if there if you do put actual money in, you're only putting money into the chance of getting something good. It's it's literally gambling and it's like I hate stuff like that. Not that I'm going to put money into it, but like the chances of you getting something good just as a free-to-play player 
are just as good as if you're a, a non-free-to-play player. I could throw 50 bucks in, and a person that is like free-to-play might roll the exact same thing that I just rolled. It makes no sense. The value that you're getting, it's not comparable to like what they're trying to sell. It's it's just a weird thing. I, I, I'm probably gonna like do a, a, a more deep review of it like on geekcritique.com at some point soon, just because I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't wanna bore the people of this podcast. Well, while you guys are still here, Anthony went to a convention called Pensacon, and it's not at the Pentagon, it's at Pensacola, Florida. You didn't go over to the Pentagon, did you? I did not. (laughs) Okay. It was in Pensacola, Florida. I'm sure I'm not the first person to make that joke about Pensacon. Anyway, tell us about it. How is this different than other places that you've been to? I know that you got a press pass for the, the podcast. Thank you to the to the kind folk overseeing uh, Pensacon. It was really interesting. It was in this like arena. It was like in a stadium, like a hockey rink. But like there's there's no ice, you know. I've never been to a convention that has been like that. It was weird. Like there's like stadium seating, so like you could kind of like chill if you wanted to. Oh. Like they actually had so you, like in a way it was kind of convenient. Like if you wanted to sit down for a while, you could actually like go up and sit in the seats. You can go find a seat. Okay. Right, right. But I will say that with that there was limited space since it was not in a convention center. There was limited space. The vendor floor was was limited and where the the celebrities were at were in like different levels of the of the arena like you kind of had to walk out from the vendor floor i'm so used to everything being every on like the same place except for you know maybe uh panels and stuff being in other rooms uh, at a convention center it was it so yeah it was interesting now was this a bigger convention or was this a smaller one or like how many days did you actually spend there so i was there for three days it was on friday saturday and sunday uh, at the end of february and so i, I went every single one of those days I, I spent a good bit of time i will say that i was impressed with the vendors that were there i actually felt like i wasn't paying more like you know how a lot of people upsell in conventions well a lot of these people wanted sure. to give you good deals i got both of the overwatch comic books and the you know the hardcovers now you could easily yeah. sell those for full price or close to full price even if they weren't sealed and the ones that i got were in like great condition and i only got them for eight bucks a piece i got That's this steal. like sealed yeah, and mind you these are hardcovers all the hardcover comics that i got um i got i got this like x-men one i don't remember everything that i had gotten but normally it was like 35 36 dollars i mean i mean it was probably like a little bit older but it was sealed still so they still could have probably have gotten at least like you know maybe knock off ten dollars i got that for like 12 bucks that's awesome that's a good thing yeah dude some comics were like two bucks like it was just you know you don't have to you know stay up to date if you don't want to if you wanted to you know pick up some cool looking comics do like two bucks four bucks six eight so that was really cool i got this really cool sake set that was it was a firefly Ooh. yeah it was a firefly sake set which is like we, we need to cover that one day it's only like what 14 episodes let's do right it. It, and, and and a movie and so yeah i also got this shirt right here i absolutely love Ring it bear, on, okay. on, on the back there we go on the back it shows like all the stops that they made 
like the green dragon inn and like the troll camp and it like literally goes through every stop they've made that's interesting yeah that's like, cool. like like a band hey. tour so all right i like that I so like that. oh my god so how gosh, were the dude. panels like how did they do with the panels so the panels were they were like in like separate rooms like you had to kind of go and find them it was a little confusing at, at some points but once you kind of figure out the like some of the, like the panel areas then you could find them i would say unless you're vip getting on the vendor floor was a little like troublesome because you had to like go upstairs to like the main area that you can like walk down into the seats and like you had to like they had this line that was like looping through the seats like a couple of times until you actually got to the vendor floor but then if you're a vip oh, you could just weird. like go through on the ground floor and it was just like an easy walk in so hold on do you got pictures of this do you have pictures of like the like the layout of anything because i would love to see how this looks i i'm having such a hard time picturing people in like stadiums like with booths it, it, it says <laughs> well so so like the vendor stuff was like on the main floor like where the ice would be and oh, then they had gotcha. um the and then like up up on like the, the the next level there were you know some like artists that were out there and stuff yeah it was like a really just interesting layout and i could tell that the convention is outgrowing its venue it's been around for 10 oh. years so i mean it's got it has okay. some staying power but yeah, it, it is it is starting to, or it, 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 it might have even been a couple of years that it's been growing, outgrowing its its venue. But it's but they also had some stuff going on on the outside. They had like food trucks and and music going. So something that I liked, and it's something that I kind of noticed about the environment or the just the atmosphere of of Pensacola itself is that Pensacon also incorporated parts of the community within the convention. Like there were bars and breweries that had themes that were connected to Pentacon. Like one was themed after Star Wars. The other one was themed after D&D. Another was Harry Potter. Another was Game of Thrones. And it was really, really cool. So I got to check out the D&D one. That was like really, really like awesome. They had like D&D themed drinks. Same thing with the Star Wars one. There were Star Wars themed drinks. It was really cool that they had that stuff incorporated. And they had like a trolley. There was like a, a Pentacon trolley that brought you to these different stops that had things going on that were connected to the convention so i thought it was really cool like i never really i'd never really experienced a convention like that except for maybe nycc they had other stuff outside of the javits center but it was kind of like their own stuff it was associated with with nycc but they kind of still had their own agenda you know it was just like you know one was like a johnny walker event the other was you know the the verve event. oh right 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 uh, but this one it was like you know okay. it was pentacon it was all connected to pentacon and it was all just it, like it like incorporated the community to it so i thought it was really cool i really enjoyed that aspect of it and just like man let me tell you just pensacola is just a beautiful area even if the the con isn't like a, a major event there's other aspects that you can enjoy along with like going to the con you could go up there and spend a, a few days going to the convention but there's also like you can go to the beach dude going to the beach in pensacola like they had parking and the parking was free that's unheard of down here in miami you gotta pay like 20 bucks just to park three blocks away from the beach and the beach sucks like down two here. hours 
you know yeah, yeah dude like two hours and <laughs> you know yeah and like honestly let's be real the beach in miami beach isn't really all that good but the, the beach in pensacola no. was beautiful it just yep. it didn't feel That's like awesome, it felt like it felt like i was in florida but it also didn't feel like i was in florida so that that was like really just an a plus of going to that convention and i i'm actually interested in going back again i, I would just like to see them maybe and maybe that's like the best choice that they have but hopefully eventually pentacon maybe builds something that's a little bit bigger that can hold that kind of convention but maybe they need there needs to be more than just that for them to to be able to justify building a convention center you know for sure yeah no they need to have other stuff going on they need to figure out other ways to expand if if they want to continue going that's interesting though uh, i'm glad you had a good time absolutely oh um you know what i picked up and I, I know it's old by now like but i, I don't care like it, it was something that i had always wanted but never got was uh remember that old world of warcraft atlas that you used to have or you still have world of if warcraft you do atlas Mary, you, you had a world of warcraft atlas from years ago it was just the it was just like the eastern kingdom i think it was and... like yeah i think it was like vanilla wow but you had okay. you had an atlas like many years ago well there was a booth there that was selling one and i got it for like 15 bucks i was like you know what i've always kind of wanted this i think they i'm pretty sure they have like an updated version of of it that you know i'll i'll get eventually but like the nostalgia of it i was like dude i remember dakota having this I've always wanted one, and I finally have it. You know what? It might have been. Like it might have ago. been um, Wrath of the Lich King because I remember I had a mouse pad that was, you know, the picture of the the three continents. You know, the two classic WoW continents, and then Northrend up on the top. So that that may be what you're talking about. Because I don't think I had an atlas of World of Warcraft. Well, I, dude, I remember you having an atlas, dude. That that's how right, I remember well, it. <laughs> But yeah, dude, I was just like, oh my god. Okay. All right. But yeah, no, it was overall, it, it was a good time. Uh, believe it or not, parking wasn't all that bad. I was surprised that we were able to get some pretty decent parking. That's always been like one of the worst things about conventions is like parking and figuring out parking and, you know, worrying about having to park in the dang boondocks. You know, have to walk 30 minutes just to get to the to the convention center. No, it was just like a like five to ten minute walk. You know, it wasn't all that bad. Yeah. So, it was good overall. When it comes to, uh, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm, I was gonna say, when it comes to like New York Comic Con, that's also one of the worst things. It's just like figuring out where you're gonna put your car, and then having to take the train into the city. Or sometimes you want to drive into the city, but it's going to be way more expensive that way. And just, you know, you have to deal with like a garage or whatever. But yeah, so it's it's always a hassle to get into one of these cons. It, exactly. But uh, overall, I would say that I would give Pentacon uh, two, two thumbs up. It was a smaller convention, but it really had this nice, just homely feeling to it. You know, there it, it mm -hmm. was just... And dude, I always welcoming. have a blast going to conventions. I always go, and I, I love checking out new conventions. This was my first year going there, and you know, I'm I'm hoping that maybe I can go back next year. We we were luckily able to stay at Miguel's wife's family member's house up there, so we we're fortunate enough to not really have to like pay for for housing up there, so or a, a hotel. So it, it was good. Like the overall experience was really good. It was nice having somebody from the area to also show us more of what was going on and 
It was good, man. Cool. Maybe sometime y'all can make it down here. Check out uh, Pensacola. Let me tell you, Pensacola is worth it. Like, I had never been there before. And I really enjoyed it, man. I really enjoyed it. Pensacola was a beautiful area. Awesome, bro. Uh, that sounds fun. Maybe maybe we'll do that uh, next year or the year after. But we have reached the halfway point of our podcast, and I think we need to start talking about the main event. Absolutely. The main event, we are starting a series on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. And yeah, we're going to be talking about the first one in this episode. Not just this episode, this podcast going forward is all about Spider-Man for the foreseeable future. So I hope you strap in, get your web slingers, you know, attached and start swinging away. <laughs> it was the foreseeable future as in being in another two episodes after this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no, no. This is this is all we're going to talk about for the next for the remainder of the lifetime of the podcast is just Spider-Man. <laughs> Yes, we are changing ourselves to Project Spider-Verse. <laughs> oh, man. I'm actually really looking forward to the Spider-Verse uh, sequels. Oh, man. So Dude, I cannot wait. And we, we, uh, we got to cover that so first good. one. That was such a good one. Yeah, that'd be... Oh, yo, after after the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, we're going to the Spider-Verse. We're going to be Spider-Man <laughs> out. But yeah, man. Dude, Sam, Sam Raimi, like... He really brought Spider-Man to the big screen in a proper way. I would say he did a great job in this first one. I love it. Like I know, I know that we have the nostalgia, but I do believe that that Tobey Maguire did great for you know for especially for the time. You know, I mean, we had the X-Men movies, and then that movie, you know, around the same time, man, we were living the dream back then. Yeah. So X-Men, when that came out as kids, it wasn't as popular as spider-man turned out to be but i think spider-man is just a much more marketable character in general but that first x-men film was kind of at least for our childhood experience a sleeper hit you know like everyone knew about it but it wasn't highly talked about we were in elementary school at the time but i remember something changed just there was a difference going to school the next day after seeing spider-man where everybody was talking about it you know and just like the world felt different after that movie for some reason. I think it was just, it ushered in a new era of like uh, superhero filmmaking because it brought them to the big screen in like such a big budget way that we had never seen before. Even the first X-Men movie was good, but it wasn't as high budget as the first Spider-Man. And man, Sony knocked it out of the park with Spider-Man. They really did. I had a, I had a great time revisiting this movie before recording this podcast i always love revisiting that that trilogy every once in a while i might not watch it every year but i don't I, it's just dude i feel like they did the origin of spider-man justice they started watering down that experience with the more spider-man movies that came out we got a little bit of that with andrew garfield and we never got that at all with tom holland like he was already spider-man mm -hmm. He, you know, he had already existed for what, like maybe a couple years in the first movie. So, in Civil War, he had been Spider-Man for six months. So that was his. First okay, so yeah, so, so he, he had he even was relatively new on the scene, but yeah, we had he'd already lost Uncle Ben at that point. And boy, the emotion from seeing Uncle Ben killed in this first one was just like, I mean, yeah. it tugged at your heartstrings. I know. It, it was so like sad and 
the emotion that Tobey Maguire had put into his performance. Like he he had, he really he was really good in tapping into like his emotions. Like you you could see that he was you know he he seemed like he was visibly just torn apart Moved within by, yeah 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 absolutely and i don't know man something about toby's performance just brought peter parker to life there that that scene where he like gets bit and then go like he kind of like falls to sleep on the side of his bed like he like just passes out and he wakes up just absolutely ripped is so funny to me like <laughs> That, and you know I what? Like it like, hurt. It, I feel like it would hurt waking up like that. And and you know what? Like I absolutely loved that they did something like that because it makes sense that if you're going through such a drastic change like that, that you would be, you would feel sick, you would pass mm -hmm. out. Like I mean, he essentially passed out, and his body went through all that that change and. For the most part, you could tell that he had a bit of a tumultuous night, you know, like because he was, his body was going through all that that change, uh, and it was not just that his he had all these you know just kind of these abilities forming and his senses were heightening, and they they did a really good job in the early days of Peter Parker becoming Spider Man, like how awkward it was. I loved that montage that he had of like trying to like figure out how to get the web out like because obviously it makes sense that he wouldn't know how to do it right away you know have have you ever done something by accident you're like okay wait how, how did i do that again and you, you try to recreate yeah doing it that is that it makes sense like it it was like a realistic thing but yeah i i, I love that web, moment go. when he first did it uh he had <laughs> he he he, he had like a fork like stuck to his like wrist he's like what the heck is this and like and it hits the tray <laughs> and he like yanks it back and hits a flash behind him and i will say that this in this film this was the best version of flash i yeah i think it's it's definitely the most uh comic, comic book -y. accurate in terms of yeah, yeah. I, I liked I liked the way that they interpreted Flash in this movie. I'm, you know, I like MCU Flash, but he should just be a different character. You know, like I, I like the character that they chose. I forget the actor's name. Right, right. I do. So I like his personality, and I want him to stay within the MCU. It, it like he's just too hilarious, especially when he was like trying to ride on the coattails of of uh, yes, Tom Spider Holland's like Spider Man. Like, oh, you know, my friend. <laughs> you know um you know he was hilarious i really love that like corny line that that he drops when peter parker or, or toby mcguire is like i don't want to fight you flash and he's like i wouldn't want to fight me neither <laughs> dude they made a meme about that and it had me dying did you see that meme like it was just like a bunch of people that remember. that's like like i don't want to fight you and then he's like and they like put like you know just whatever Whoever it is that they're like trying to like make seem intimidating, like oh, I wouldn't want to fight me neither, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's funny. And that fight is so fun too because that's when we're starting to like understand the reach of his powers. You know, he has this new sense where he can kind of like tell what's gonna happen moments before they happen. We we learn it's the Spidey sense, obviously. Yes, and, I love um, just the seeing it, just of seeing that. him in like slow motion. The development of his powers in this movie is so good and. I just want to like take a, a break just to talk about like how refreshing this movie is when you like go back to it because 
there wasn't a huge industry of making superhero films at this time. This was one of the first major big blockbuster superhero movies of like modern film. And you know, the biggest before these were probably the the Superman films from like the 70s and 80s. So this was, this had a, a wide berth creatively. Actually, no, I'm sorry, the Batman movies. The Batman movies were the biggest up, up until this point. And we can't forget about the, you could call him like maybe like an anti-hero, uh, Blade. Blade, yeah, you, yeah. I, that first movie especially, uh, probably the first two are, are just super solid movies. But again, I don't think anybody was looking at that besides like comic book fans as anything but an action movie. You know, like this was specifically like, you know, this guy was wearing tights. This is a, this is like your classic superhero. Right, movie. right, right. Yeah, but Blade, but, Blade was too badass to uh, for people to think that that this could have been a comic book movie. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think people are surprised when they find out that Blade is a Marvel character. Yeah, I, think I know. Yeah, when I was younger, when I found that out, I was like, oh my god, really? Wait, so there are vampires in Spider-Man's universe? So what was I saying? We, what I love about this is that because there wasn't a big industry of making superhero films at this point, it's totally free from all the tropes that kind of fell into the pot after that. You know, like so many MCU films now, as much as I love them, they kind of formulate, they, they, they have a formula. Yeah, 100%. They have a absolutely. formula. They feel the same. A lot of times they look the same because they're trying to give you a certain feel. A lot of times, you know, the, the, the shots are blocked a certain way or the colors are changed a certain way. This movie doesn't have any of that baggage, you know? Like, this can be entirely its own thing and Sam Raimi knocks it out of the park with just, like, the cinematography, the way that the story feels. He isn't worried about whether or not the origin story of Spider-Man is, like, too well-known because at this point it wasn't, you know? It wasn't too well-known. This is the first time they're actually doing a Spider-Man for the big screen, you know, in the capacity that they were. And it just feels so good to, like, like watch this and not have the baggage of every other superhero movie before it like way right it was free from expectation exactly it's it's totally free and even going back to it you know you may have expectations as a viewer but the film doesn't worry about that because it's already been made obviously but you know what i'm saying like it, it just feels so fresh and different from what we see today yes it still holds up really well and that's why i believe that but there's a reason why we saw Tommy Maguire and even you know Andrew Garfield in No Way Home. I mean, people have this connection with those films, and you can still go back and watch them and still have such a great time watching them. And those first two Spider-Man movies back then were just—they're absolutely amazing. I still believe that they're really great. You know, I know that Spider-Man Two is the more renowned one of the three. But man, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin in that first one, mm-hmm. you, let me tell you, there's nothing better than watching somebody on the screen absolutely loving what they're doing. And Willem Dafoe, like he is embodying that character. You know he's having a great time with this character because he's putting his all into it. His That performance, yeah. like, it was like, dude, this man is so good he's got so much energy he's got so much energy he's an older guy i mean he wasn't that old when he was doing this but he's an older guy i'm I, sometimes i watch spider-man and like willem dafoe's performance the the crazed look that he gets I'm like how the heck do you get this much energy out of a man like i couldn't 
I could never like put that much energy into performance. I know, and, but, and it went that, no you know, way it's just home. a different personality for me, but yeah. And, yo, he was even crazier and no Oh my gosh, like, I, and I loved that he wanted to do it. He's like, nah, man, I'm doing my stunts. Like, I want to do them. Good for him. Good for him. But yeah, I mean, just th- this is the origin of that that Green Goblin. And, I, and you know what? I thought it was a really cool way that they did Green Goblin. Be- instead of the typical comic book version of Green Goblin where he's like an actual like goblin looking individual. They had like a suit. He had this like helmet and it looked crazy. It looked cool. Yeah, man, that, that character would not have performed as well if it weren't Willem Dafoe under that that mask like maybe they could have found somebody that could have done a good job but I don't know man like he just really played that character just he sold it man he sold it that he was like this this tortured individual that had two personalities in him and didn't know what the other one was doing at at some point you know yeah totally you know he he was something of a scientist himself (laughs) I love that they put that line in no way. <laughs> Every, so people stupid. wanted it. No, you know what? What line? You know what line was actually really good. That that was there was a lot of chuckling in the theater at that line. Yes, I was I was happy about that. But the line that really got me, I think it's probably one of the best written lines in like the MCU, is the callback that Doc Ock makes to Peter because in the second movie, uh, oh, what does he say? I forget the freaking callback. Covering these Sam Raimi films will definitely make the connections back to, to No Way Home. I, I agree that there was a lot of really good lines that they brought from these older films. What's interesting though, and I think this, not not necessarily a criticism of this movie, but I don't think that the, I think we have grown to connect our villains much more personally than this film connected Peter and Norman Osborn because Norman Osborn's like goal wasn't to like undermine Spider-Man in any way. Spider-Man just kept having having to be there, you know? He was just trying to win Oscorp back. So I I think that it, this is an interesting movie in that he doesn't necessarily like Spider-Man's just trying to stop him, you know? But he's just he's just like stop bothering me. <laughs> Until their final fight, obviously, and then, you know, he he gets killed. But. He even, like, kind of tries to broker peace between them. Like, hey, you know, let's join up. But I do, dude, let me tell That's you, true, I yeah. love that line that he delivers. And, like, I just feel like it's Wait, something that Green Goblin, when he says that no matter what, in spite of everything you've done for them, they'll eventually hate you. Mmm, Yes. You know, and I think Christopher Nolan got a little bit of uh, a little bit of that with "You live long enough to see yourself being the enemy," basically. Oh and yeah, yeah. He's like you either Peter. Uh, what Harvey Dent said: you either, you either die, die a hero, hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what Green Goblin is saying here. Not quite as elegantly, but the gist is there, and it's true. Yeah, it's... We haven't talked about Harry. We haven't talked about Harry Osborn or uh, Mary Jane Watson at all. Right, right. So so how do you feel about Kirsten Dunst's performance as MJ and James Franco as, as Harry? This is my first exposure to James Franco, but I had seen Kirsten Dunst and other stuff when I was younger. 
Yeah, I think I think we were in the same boat there. First and foremost, I love both of their performances. I think James Franco kind of hammed it up a little bit in this movie, but I kind of enjoy that, you know? It's supposed to be over the top. It's supposed to be like a Shakespearean drama of good and evil. Yeah. And like, you know, friend friendships betrayed and all that. And that goes on throughout the movies. But I always liked his performance. I always feel for him, you know? Like, the... I, I totally understand his arc of like going down the the dark path after he sees, you know, Spider-Man with his dead father's body. Yeah. So, but it's also kind of like, well, obviously your father is dead because he was a bad person, you know, like he was literally in the Green Goblin outfit when Peter dropped him off. So it's kind of like a back and forth thing because like in my head, like logic is telling me like you're the character's kind of dumb um, and like going against spider-man for the sake of you know just being petty but i also you know it is your father it is you know someone you care for you go down a dark path and uh, you, you brood you know and that's a reality that a lot of people see in you know real life not necessarily like spider-man killing your family but <laughs> you know bad stuff happening and you kind of dwelling on it you know that that's something that happens as far as mary jane goes i i always liked kirsten Dunn's performance i always found it super believable you know like i always it's such a traumatic story like i one thing that you have to know about spider-man is that like he never gets what he wants like and if he does there's a caveat something has to go horribly wrong for him to get something a little bit right and then he's gonna lose that and then everything's gonna be rock bottom for him again and then rinse and repeat and that's the entire character arc of peter parker in the comics like he he finds himself a mentor he eventually finds out that the mentor is turning evil the mentor either dies or whatever the the girl of his dreams either dies or just moves on past him it's never a happy ending for peter parker and that's kind of like the whole point you know like he's he's we're supposed to feel oh what are we supposed to feel anthony we're supposed to feel drawn to this character emotionally because everyone's felt disappointment and there's no character quite as disappointing as spider-man right <laughs> it's not i wouldn't say it i don't not not so much a a pity but more so a it's empathy you know yeah like you feel exactly empathy not, exactly like you felt disappointed you felt lost you felt forgotten or unseen at some point in your life and that's what peter parker is to everyone you know yeah and that's that's awesome you know because they they nail that so well in this movie and in the subsequent movies i think in the second one they nail it even even better and he, he does have that you know when he's spider-man that whole little that the banter that that, that spider-man likes to do or peter parker likes to do as he's spider-man it's so funny because like when he's peter parker it seems like he's like one way but like when he's spider-man he really just like lets all loose he's like he's like hey you know what's going on you know you're not really supposed to be doing that right and it's like you know just punching them like now look at look what you made me do you know that kind of that kind of thing i do like and and the 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 most interesting thing he mentions it in no way home is the fact that like he holds back his punches you know because if he like put punch full force he'd probably put a hole in people mm, yeah yeah that's a that's a really interesting that's a really interesting point yeah and even even uh, andrew garfield at one point was saying that he wasn't pulling back his punches After you know while, like he yeah. he got angry so we know that like 
this is a very strong character. We see him lift some insane stuff in this movie that's like well beyond the 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 strength of a, a normal man. And I think that's kind of what makes him super, you know? I think one of my favorite characters in fiction is Superman, you know? Like, he he's trying to live a normal life, and that's that's ultimately, like, what we get behind, you know, as as viewers. We, we love to see him shoot lasers out of his eyes and, you know, breathe icy cold breath, but it's not that which draws us to the story it's it's the character's play and i think spider-man has one of is one of those characters that you are always going to feel for his plight because you know as i said you know it's a character that constantly feels let down feels lost and i i, I love that about this movie they they nail that so well and yeah does he get mary jane in this one i forget not really like it's kind of no, like no no i think even with the next one it's still like very just back and forth yeah his his relationship and that's that's again going back to no way home he talks about like you know we kind of got something working and that's the perfect way to describe it because it's it's like not functional it's not a functional relationship but like they're they're kind of like star-crossed lovers where they will always just kind of be orbiting each other but never really in the same room oh man i loved how (laughs) toby mcguire was referred to as a cool youth pastor <laughs> not, not, not for nothing. Andrew Garfield is like a very funny actor. You know, like the way he delivers lines is just so is so good. So I'm excited to eventually get to talking about those as well. I know, um, but you know, I know that we had kept on going back to to No Way Home in this episode, but it's so hard not to with what I we know. have. I promise. Now. I promise. Next week we we will do better to like stick to Spider Man two specifically well, we may make well, some callbacks like even, to other films so you know even then like we we've for the most part spoken about this film which is where we get the origin of spider-man and you know just how amazingly drawn drawn out it was the, the development of the powers and how he eventually started getting used to it and how he's you know we're getting that early spider-man where you know he's doing his his daily thing you know saving people and the back and forth of you know that the hero's plight of people love you people hate you people love you people hate you you know that kind of thing and yeah not getting what you want where where did he learn how to sew like where did he learn amazingly like dude his that suit it's not just cloth it's it's spandex like you need to like know (laughs) proportions so well Dude, let me tell you, if I had the skills to sew like he did, like, dude, he could, like, he could be a, a tailor, you know? Like, he could, like, make his own just, like, clothing line, you know? Because that, that suit was yeah. so, like, high quality, you know? And these are supposed to be high school kids? How are they doing that, man? How are they doing that? Oh, yeah, just uh, in the beginning, like, one, one quick scene that I absolutely loved was the wrestling scene where he oh, fight. Crusher. Yes, and I loved that scene. And it, uh, this is where we get, you know, your boy Bruce Campbell. Sam Raimi just loves throwing his boy in all, like every movie mm-hmm. that he does. He's like, he's like in every single movie that same he's Sam Raimi does. Right? Yeah, like they are yeah. like best friends, man. They are, yeah. I mean, well, he was in Evil Dead, so right, he was in Evil Dead, and he, was he? He was in Spider Man Two, wasn't he? I know he was in Three. He's in Spider Man Two as well, yes. In different capacities. One well, is nice seeing. Um, this, I think this is where they established the Stanley cameos. Because I don't remember him being an X-Men, do you? 
Uh, he was, actually. He was, yeah. He was on the beach when when the Senator, Senator Kelly is walking out of the water. He's one of the people staring at him on the beach. He was there. It was a blink and you miss it one. I need to go but, back uh, and was watch those. But yeah, th this one was like a little quick one where he pulls somebody out of the way of like some rubble coming down. But it, it was nice this seeing Stanley, and I kind of miss those cameos to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the let's just say that Stanley was probably the most influential single human. In terms of pop culture relevance right ever you know he made so many or he was involved in the making of so many classic characters that we talk about on a regular basis not just on this podcast but in daily life you know you the mcu the biggest movie franchise of all time would not exist had sam or not sam um <laughs> stan lee not created these characters so kudos to him he deserves all the uh all the love. I, I love seeing the cameos, and I, I'll always miss miss that. I think he died right before Captain Marvel came out, and I think in Captain Marvel, the intro is just all of his cameos. Oh, um, right, right, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, um, I, I loved his scene in that movie with him reading the Mallrat skit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the script, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's great to go back to some of these like older superhero movies and, and seeing his cameos. I always got to go back and, and enjoy. I, I would say that I would say that the X Men movies and the the Spider Man movies were really like pivotal to see everybody or how everybody would feel about comic book movies because like before they were they were good, but like we had it yeah it had been a while the the technology used on those older films were like it's very it was very outdated you know at least you know at the time that these movies were made so we got more uh, cg going on and it just it looked great we and i would say that these the spider-man movies were a great success to me the x-men one ones were great because i, I really liked the x-men especially mm -hmm. especially uh, wolverine and whatnot and uh, you know we'll definitely have to cover those films too but this first film or this first spider-man film absolutely loved it i have nothing but you know fond memories about it and i always enjoy coming back to it and seeing the performances of all these just amazing you know actors and actresses yeah i totally agree 100 percent um yeah i'm excited to continue this conversation on our next podcast as we discuss spider-man 2 also directed by sam raimi also starring toby Maguire, kirsten dunst and james franco and, bruce and campbell. a little a little bit of bruce campbell a little bit of willem dafoe <laughs> but a lot of alfred molina so good things are in store for us in the future Thank you guys so much for listening to us here for our 50 seconds episode. We hope that you guys check out the show notes, go follow our page, give us a review if you deem us so worthy. And yeah, see you guys next time. See ya.